series called Stay Focused, and for the first three weeks, what we talked about was our mission statement, uh, which is to reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of God's Spirit. And not only is that our mission statement, I think it's the mission statement of every follower of Jesus that we reach and we restore and we respond. Well, the second half of this series, Stay Focused, is just going over three things that uh, can distract us from um, that particular mission. And so um, uh, this week, what I want to talk about is the uh, distraction of cell phones. No, okay, I'm joking. <laughs> the distraction of regret. Um, and uh, what a few months ago, I talked about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. And uh, we say at Living Spring, uh, I, I, every time I preach on forgiveness, I talk about this, that when, our, when my brokenness combines with your woundedness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. Uh, that it's impossible for me. I mean, if, if you just think about uh, anything that I've said or done or whatever, it's impossible for me to know what the damage is, right? So, and so we talk about that. We, we, we know and we watch, uh, we look at the scriptures and we know that uh, forgiveness is so important to forgive one another. But I, I wanted to talk about this morning, one of the things that we, the person that we oftentimes have the hardest time forgiving is ourselves. And so I, I just changed this up. When my brokenness combines with my woundedness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. And so you have a card when you came in. Hopefully you got one of these cards that says my greatest regret is. Uh, you're going to write that down and hand it to the person. No, you're not going to do that. I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you're going to hold on to that. And maybe your regret is so shameful to you and you feel so guilty about it that that. When you write it, you write it like this because you don't want anyone to see it. Well, you don't actually even have to write it down on this card. This card will be just an indication of what that regret is because your heavenly father sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for that particular greatest regret. And so we're going to be taking communion at the end of the service, and uh, there is a paper shredder right down here, uh, industrial size, so if you need eight of these or ten of these or whatever it is, you can shove them all in there. And my prayer, all week long, my prayer has been that you would leave here free. Because we all have regrets. We've all made mistakes. We've all been stupid. And whether or not your regret is a relationship you never should have started, a relationship you never should have ended, if it's a decade like your 20s, <laughs> right, or a purchase or an investment. One of my greatest regrets um, uh, was an investment I had made uh, that I thought was going to be very successful. And Man, I lost a lot of money on that investment, right? And so maybe that's it for you. Maybe it's something uh, financial. Maybe it's something uh, you wished you had said at a certain time when there was an injustice and you feel like you should have spoken up. Maybe, and probably more often, it's something that you should not have said <laughs> that you did. And maybe you uh, had a... Uh, 
ruined a relationship because of that. This is a picture I took a few years ago. Um, I used to uh, hoard files. So uh, bills and things like that. And in my garage, I had a giant file cabinet with several drawers. And I had, just a few years ago, it's a disease, I know, I had phone bills from the late 80s. Okay, okay, don't judge me. <laughs> okay. Why don't you stand up here and tell me all your... Okay, no. Okay. So I had these phone bills from the late 80s. And, uh, and so I decided, because I, I tried to file something, and I could not fit a piece of paper into any of the drawers. So I said, you know what? I need to start getting rid of these, these, these files. And so you never know when you're going to need a phone bill from the 80s. And so, uh, but I thought, you know what? And so I bought a paper shredder. I bought this paper shredder right here. And uh, I began... Uh, I, I took the phone bill out, and I'm, I'm not kidding. This is so sad. I was looking at it going, oh, that's right. I, re I remember when my brother lived in New Jersey. Like, so for kids, just so you know, we used to get these things uh, called paper phone bills, and uh, it would write down all the, the people you called. So uh, I had that, and uh, I, 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 I put it in the shredder. This is so true. It's sad. As it was going down, I was like, ah, oh, this was a terrible mistake. And so I went to go grab it, but it was already sucking in. I was afraid of, like, getting my hand caught in there, and it, it went in. And so I'm like, well, I, I, there goes that month. <laughs> I'll never get it back again. And so I decided, well, I'll do another one. Well, here's what ended up happening. I, I started feeling empowered, and I started shredding everything. And my addiction to hoarding old bills became my addiction to shredding. I couldn't find enough paper in my house. I, I was just shredding and shredding and shredding. The mailman, I just shoved it under the mailbox, just put it right in the slot, just shred. I didn't get any mail. Like I got, so I, I, I saved all, we bought a house in Lakewood, and I saved all my loan documents. And then if you remember, you know, if you've ever bought a house, you know, they're like this thick. It's so satisfying because they're also, the pages are longer than like normal pages. And so I'm ripping pages off and just putting them in the shredder. And then every time we refinanced, I kept all those loan docs too. So I'm just shredding. I shredded my current loan docs. Yeah, well, they, they're on the internet somewhere. Uh, and then I found out that when you shred your loan docs, the bank still makes you pay because I called and asked, like, hey, I don't have my loan docs, you know, but they, you, you do. So I started getting this freedom. So this is a picture of uh, the top, looking down on one of those blue recycle bins. You know, you have those at, 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 I don't know what city you live in, but in our city, it's this giant bin of recycle stuff that I normally put trash in. Um, and so uh, that's the top of it. I filled a whole blue bin. And that was the first one. I did that, I did that another time. I did two of those bins. I just, I just, it was awesome, right? Now, you say, John, why, why are you telling me this story? Because the empowerment of just like shredding things and just being done with the past, right, is exactly why Jesus died on the cross for us. That these situations, these regrets, and, and, and you need to own them.
You need to own your sin and your mistakes. You, that is true. But what Jesus did on the cross is like shredding those things like they never happened again. And oftentimes, I have found in my ministry, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Because you did damage to yourself and you have no way to repay. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look through three sections of Scripture from three different books of the Bible. Typically, I don't like doing that because you can kind of pick and choose and make the Bible say whatever you want if you're just kind of like grabbing different things. But I promise you, I did not do that this morning. What I'm hoping to do by going through these three sections of Scripture from three different books of the Bible is to see how common this theme is throughout Scripture that your past, your regrets, your mistakes can be wiped completely clean by the blood of Jesus. And so at the end of the service, you're going to take your card, if you've chosen to write on it or not, and you're going to come in and you're going to put it in that shredder and you're going to leave free. And then after you put it in the shredder, uh, you can go over and grab communion as a reminder of what Christ did, okay? So here we go. This is really cool. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And to give you a little idea, uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And there is actually a 3 Corinthians, but we just don't have it. Paul mentions another letter that he had written to the church in Corinth. Uh, this church was kind of jacked up. And um, Paul was writing partly to encourage them and partly to kind of reprimand them. And what was happening was there were two pastors in this church, Paul who started it, um, and, and then this uh, other pastor, uh, Apollos, okay? And they were fighting over who was the best. So that would be like if you got here and um, uh, uh, everyone who likes Pastor Michelle is on this side and everyone who likes Pastor John is on, on that side. This side would be filled with more people. I understand that, okay? I understand that. But, but that's how it was. And so then the pastor, uh, the Apostle Paul is going, are you guys crazy? Like, what, what, why are you doing that? So that's where we pick it up. We pick it up with, are you guys crazy? Okay, here's the next verse. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Now, th that sounds like our current culture, <laughs> actually. It's just like, hey, I can do whatever I want. I don't care what anyone thinks. You ever meet those people who say, I don't care what anyone thinks about me? Right? I've always wondered, why did you have to say that? Like, if you don't care, wouldn't you just keep it to yourself? The people who say, I don't care what anyone thinks, usually really care what everyone thinks, right? So Paul says this, I don't care if I'm judged by you or any, any human court. And he goes on and doubles down on that. And he says, indeed, I don't even judge myself. Now, you can look at that and go, Wow, you know, Paul, you, you probably should at, at least examine yourself and see if you're off on some of your theology or some of your ideas. But as he begins to, as he continues to write, we see exactly what he's saying. He says, my conscience is clear. I'm, I'm, I'm free. I don't, I don't run my life based on my past. I don't run my life based on what others think about me. My conscience is clear. And you think, wow, he's kind of just letting himself off the hook. Does that mean, Paul, does that mean you can do anything you want? Well, watch what he writes next. But that does not make me innocent. 
It's, it's worse than that. It's worse than being judged by a human court or a group of people or even myself. That doesn't make me, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't mean I'm innocent. No, no, no. It is the Lord who judges me. Now, for some of you who have your card and you've written down or you are afraid to write it down because you're afraid that the person next to you is going to look over your shoulder and see what you wrote down. For a lot of us, this makes sense. You might be here for the first time. You might be new to Christianity, new to the Bible, and you stepped into church and you thought for sure you were going to get struck by lightning because God knows what you did. God knows that decision you made. God knows that time when you, uh, could, you lacked self-control, when you couldn't uh, do it. As, as, thank you, Gary, for being so vulnerable. That was very touching. And maybe it's been 50 years for you. You've never, you just didn't think that there was any way you could be forgiven. And so when you see this, it's the Lord who judges me. Your first thought is, oh yeah, I know he does. I know he does. And he has every right to. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is this. The only person with the authority to judge you is God. You don't have the authority to judge you, and no one around you has the authority to judge you. He is a righteous judge. So he can accurately assess what you did wrong. He knows all the damage it has done. Some of our regrets, our regret is not just what the damage it did to us, but what it did to our kids, what it did to our first marriage, what it did to our second marriage, whatever that is, what it did to that company, what it did to that pedestrian, whatever it is, we know we've made a huge mistake. And Paul says this, it's the Lord who judges me. And so you go, oh man, that sounds scary. Well, you don't know this righteous judge. If it's scary to you, you don't know this righteous judge. Here's, uh, so he, 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 we, we kind of set it up in um, 1 Corinthians, right? So that's, that's that book. Paul is basically telling the church in Corinth, you, what you think about me and what I think about me is not nearly as important, as nearly as critical, nearly as crucial as what God thinks about me. So keep that in the back of your mind because we're going to now jump to Colossians, okay? Same writer, Paul. Matter of fact, Paul is the same writer in every book we're going to look at right here. So that's where we stop in Corinthians. Uh, now we go to Colossians. Who is this God? Who is this Jesus that judges? Okay? We're going to jump to here. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells. Okay, so this is one of the reasons, if you ever wonder, if you're new, new to Christianity, and you wonder, why do you say that Jesus was God? This is one of the verses, one of many, that, that come to that conclusion. In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. This is why we say he's fully God and fully man at the same time. This is the God who judges you, right? And in him, you've been made complete. He is the head of over all rule and authority. So, when I was talking about um, uh, shredding my current loan documents, uh, I do have a, them in digital form, by the way. The bank did send those to me and making sure I understood 
that I still owe them all the money. Why? Because they have the authority. I can't shred my documents and say, I don't owe you any money anymore. I don't know. I can't find any proof of it. No, they're the authority. They're the ones that could say, your loan's forgiven. Now, it's a bank, so they will not say that, but that's, uh, what, that's what could happen. This is what Paul said. Remember, it's the Lord who judges me. In Colossians, he is the head over all rule and authority, okay? And in him, you are also circumcised. This is language that's throughout the Bible, circumcision. Uh, it, it, uh, it's basically just this cutting away, right? Not to get too graphic, uh, but you can look it up in a, your biology book. Uh, with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, your sin is cut away and you are clean. And then two weeks ago, we had eight people baptized right here. Having been buried with him in baptism, you've died with Christ, it says in Corinthians, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You are being judged by the Lord. He has all the authority. And he says, you have died to yourself. And you are raised to walk in newness of life. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. My greatest regret is what? Because the net very next verse is amazing. Whatever you write on this card, I don't know your, I, I know most of your lives, but uh, I don't know all your deepest, deepest regrets. Whatever you write on this card is forgiven when we ask for forgiveness. Next verse. He forgave us all our sins. Every single one of them. Do your regrets still have consequences? Of course they do. You, you might still have a record. You might still have uh, debt, you know, you, you know, as you've used your finances or whatever. You might still have health issues because of a certain habit or what have you. Those things. But the actual, your judge has forgiven you. Your judge has slammed the gavel down and said your record is clean. Isn't that good news? It doesn't matter what you write on this card. <laughs> Nothing will separate you from the love of God. When we go before him humbly and we say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, in other words, we are guilty. These are real sins. They have real consequences. But he has canceled that indebtedness which stood against us to condemn it. He has taken it away. Right? I don't know if I even turned this thing on or not. Oh, well, maybe I did. He has taken it away, right? Ooh. Nailing it to the cross. It's over. It's done. Now, when you put yours in this shredder, we have a team of people that are going to tape them all back together and we're going to figure out. No, I'm just... I'm, <laughs> figure out how jacked up this church really is. We just want to know. No. There's no way I can get that back. 
just like that phone bill, just like my mortgage, just like all those five, I cannot get that back. It's a cross-cut shredder. And Jesus on the cross says, give that to me. I'm taking care of it. It's gone. It's gone. I cannot get that back. He's nailed it to the cross. Okay, so now we're gonna, I'm going to give you a couple little tools to because once you put that in the shredder, you're not going to forget your greatest regret, right? You're not going to forget it. It's just, it keeps coming back. So I'm going to give you some tools that when tomorrow, when you say, man, I, I, I shredded that thing, but I still feel a certain way. These are some tools that will help you through the week. Philippians chapter 3. Again, still the Apostle Paul. He's written to a church in Corinth. He's written to a, uh, the Colossian church. And now he's writing to a church in Philippi. He says this. He, he's talking about all the cool stuff he's done in life, right? Circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee of Pharisees, you know, he, in the, according to the law, found blameless. All these great, great, great things. So he's kind of flipped it upside down. And he says this, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. Remember what he said in Colossians? I don't even judge myself. I don't sit back and go, mm, you know what? I've led a really good life. I've, I'm pretty amazing. He, he doesn't do that. The one who judges him is the Lord. And so now he, in Philippians, what he's saying is all those other things, good, bad, indifferent, they're nothing. Everything in my life moving forward is on getting to know Jesus better than I knew him yesterday. That is the Christian life. That is the walk. That is discipleship. When Jesus says, come follow me, that's what it is. He says, I count them but uh, rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Well, we can't gain Christ when we're hanging on to all this sin and regret and shame. And shame is a weird thing. Um, it... <laughs> As odd as this sounds, this is actually science. Shame makes us feel a little bit better because we feel like at least we're punishing ourselves. We know that was bad and it makes us feel good to go, yes, I was bad. And some denominations and some churches, they're set up so that every Sunday you come and get shamed so that you feel better about yourself. You feel more spiritual about yourself. You feel like, yeah, oh man, I'm, I really, I feel, the worse I feel means the better Christian I am. It's horrible theology. He says that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own. Because I'm going to mess it up. Good or bad. I'm going to either be too easy on myself, and the Lord is saying, no, 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 that sin is going to kill you. You need to get over it right now. Or uh, I'm too hard on myself, where I'm like, I, there's no way I can ever be used by God with all the things I've done. We, I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes th through faith in Christ. A righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Not that I've already obtained all this or already arrived at my goal. But here's what I want you to remember this week as you think about those different mistakes you've made, those different regrets, those different decisions. The number one tool, there's two, is I press on. 
I press on. I press on. He, he uses this phrase twice, and we'll get to the second time in just a little bit. I press on. That is rear view mirror stuff. Think about what you would tell someone else who came to you with the sin that you're holding on to, the lack of forgiveness that you're holding on to. What would you tell them? I know exactly what you'd tell them. You'd tell them the same thing I would tell them. Hey, that's in the past. You need to move on from that. Well, then why can we not take that advice for ourselves? To say, John, that decision you made was wrong. And that has, that has a lot of damage because of it. But it's been submitted to Jesus. He's nailed it to the cross. It's been put in the paper shredder. And now you need to press on. Now, I know that sounds way easier than it actually is. But I think it's a great reminder. But I press on. But I press on. But I press on. To take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. In other words, you're not just pressing on. You're pressing on with a purpose of getting to know Christ more. I, I, I look at it this way. I talk about it this way. I want to go to heaven, right? Of course, we all want to go to heaven, okay? But I want to be in love with Jesus now so that I look forward to being with him in heaven, not just escaping hell. And that's what following Jesus is. I press on to take hold of that relationship with him. And then he says this. This is the Apostle Paul. So this is so encouraging. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider yet having taken hold of it. So here's the Apostle Paul who's written a whole bunch of scripture going, there's still more. There's still more. There's still more. I'm close to Jesus, but there's still more. There's still more I can give. There's still more I, how I can serve. There's still more I can learn getting to know him. It's like a great marriage been married now for 34 years, and it's just better and better every year. I learn more. I learn more of how stupid I am. I learn more of lots of things, right? And now we're talking about Jesus. But I, I, I don't consider my uh, taking hold of it yet, but one thing I do, okay? Forgetting. Forgetting what is behind. Those things are past. Now, this word for forgetting, uh, the, the Greek, doesn't mean you can't remember. Like, I'm getting older now, and I find myself forgetting not on purpose, <laughs> okay? I just, like, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I will literally walk into a room and have no clue why I'm there. I'll just, I'll look around. Like, I, I know I, there was a time, just one room ago, I knew why I was coming in here, Right? That's not what the word forgetting means. It means neglecting. It means, I don't, ain't nobody got time for that, is what it says in the Greek. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. I'm neglecting what lies behind. I'm leaving that aside. I'm not giving it any of my energy, not one bit of my energy. So we press on, and in order to press on, we neglect what happened before. Now, we learn from it, 
We own it, all those things. But forgetting what lies ahead and straining. This is a track term. If you ever watch the Olympics or you ever have seen any type of track where the tape is there and they reach, they strain, they try to just get a little bit of an advantage to beat the person next to us. This is the track term of what Paul is saying. I just want to do whatever I possibly can. I'm going to neglect those things and I'm going to reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on, he says again toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He is not just talking about going to heaven. He's talking about your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I want to experience Jesus now. I want to experience him now. As the worship band uh, comes back up, I'm going to leave you with this final um, thing that I hope you can, you can really grasp onto. And I, I also realize in a sermon like this, it is very easy to say, neglect it and press on and everything will be fine. This is a process that happens. But to the extent you can continue to exercise those muscles and get better at going, that's in my past now. I'm going to press on with what time I have left on this earth to get to know him more is this, just this statement here, that our deepest regrets, whatever went into this paper shredder, can become our greatest reminders of God's grace and his mercy. That for this, I have Jesus. I, I've made these mistakes. Maybe your greatest regret happened yesterday. Maybe it happened just during COVID. You wish you hadn't, or you wish you had, or something, and you're living with that regret. That regret can be a reminder, wow, I serve a God who can forgive even that. I'm going to neglect that. I'm going to forget that. I'm going to, ain't nobody got time for that. And I'm going to press on this week so that that doesn't happen again and that uh, I can get to know him more. So what we're going to do now is um, uh, we're going to sing one final song. Tanner's going to lead us in a song. And, and uh, you can take your card and you just put it. I'll, I'll take this one and put it down as well over here. Uh, this one's faster. This one, if you want to get rid of that regret, this, this industrial strength forgiveness right here, okay? And uh, you just put it in there. And listen, listen. We're going to make the grinding of these shredders sounds of worship sounds of grace sounds of mercy sounds of a just God who has all the authority to say oh no give me that you owe nothing I got it I've paid it I've canceled it and then after you've shredded your your stuff um, you can just go and uh, take communion and you can take that back to your seat you can kneel up here but um it, it's just another reminder. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was at the Passover meal and he took uh, the cup that had wine in it and he said to his disciples, this is my blood which has been poured out for the remission of sins. Whenever you take and drink of this, remember me. And he took in the same way, he took the bread, he broke that, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body which has been broken. Whenever you take and eat of this, remember me. And that's what we do. We take those regrets. We take those sins. 
we say, God, would you just forgive us? We put it in the shredder, and then we are reminded of all that Christ did for us on the cross. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for providing a way for us to just move on, to press on, to neglect what lies behind, forget it, put it in the rearview mirror. And that tomorrow, that even as soon as walking out of this sanctuary, God, we are free. And we're free indeed. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we go ahead and stand for the blessing if you're able. Hey, so uh, just be checking your email or the app or whatever. Uh, Wednesday starts Lent, and uh, I'll post some stuff on social media as well. There'll be some things that we'll set up here. Uh, we talked about the quarter-mile prayer walk where you can pray or just be silent or put on headphones and listen to worship, whatever music, you do whatever you want. Um, we'll have some uh, daily readings on the app and uh, a couple other things we're, we're toying around with. So... Um, in the next couple days, be thinking about how you want to strategically use those 40 days. Uh, maybe it has something to do with what you put in the shredder and you, you want to reverse some of that stuff or whatever. But be in prayer about that. God will talk to you uh, when you bring those things up to him. All right. All right. Well, now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace in his strength, in his grace, and in his mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.